so what a blessing that is. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, while you're turning, sometimes it's the simplest things that make an impact, right? We don't need to seek a grandiose event to make an impact. Just be in tune with the Lord. And so these little things come along in our life and they change us. They change who we are. Somebody makes a comment and you overhear it. And it could be the very thing that you were praying about. And so God speaks through those things. And so the journey goes along those lines. And so we're talking today about the third part of the, the Sermon on the Mount here, about making an impact. And so we're going to pick up with our verses, and we're going to pick up in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 5 and read through verse 12. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and uh, Father, we pray right now that as we've gone from brokenness to discovering life to now making an impact, we see the journey of how you grow us into usefulness through these verses. I pray and ask that you'll speak to us this morning. I pray and ask that these words that you have given us, that we'll understand what they mean, we'll understand why you wrote them, and we'll understand how you're applying them to our heart. I thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning when we're talking about making an impact, we're going to share the message, we're going to suffer the response, and we're going to stand for the Lord. And so when we talk about sharing the message, in Matthew 5... Verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, we like peacemakers, don't we? Because they kind of resolve problems, they resolve conflicts. And when you think about peacemakers, they're people who bring two people together who have a broken relationship. And so rather than sitting on the sidelines and saying, well, that's their problem, they're out and they're engaging people who are living without peace with God. And so when he talks about peacemakers, he's talking about the reconciliation of people to God. He's talking about us getting out there and sharing the gospel. Blessed are they because they understand. Remember what blessed means. Blessed is not, oh, I got a pile of money and I'm blessed by God. That's not what that means. Blessed means that we have spiritual sight and understanding into what God is doing around us. That is the blessing. When you're traveling through life and you begin to see what God is up to around you, that is a gift from God. That is a blessing. And so we are blessed because he has revealed what he's up to. And so when he talks about blessed are the peacemakers, those 
who understand the conflict between man and God are out sharing the gospel and trying to bring peace between man and God. Now we know that, and I'm not talking about saving people, only God does that. But we have to share the message, don't we? And the rest of you? Yeah. Thank you. Just checking. Make sure you're with me. I ain't lost you yet. We have a responsibility. But you know, here's what's happened. I've, I've been watching this for a long and a long. And I've been worried a little bit. And I shouldn't use the word worried. I've been checking to make sure I haven't fallen into it as well. Christians, it used to be a thing that we were proud of. Like, I was a Christian, or people would say they're Christians. Now it's changing, because we're being relabeled as troublemakers, as people who cause problems. And it's really going back to where it started. Because Jesus, even here, says that people are going to say all kind of nasty things about you, just because you claim to follow me. Narrow-minded, um, and being attacked for our faith. Because we believe that there's only one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. It's not, you know, we don't work our way. We're not good enough. And, and we're accepted based upon what we do. We had a long conversation about that this morning in my class. But here's the thing. Peacemakers, see, because you move through this process of dying to yourself. Where he begins to quicken you. Begin to see what God's up to and then peacemakers have to engage other people. You cannot be a peacemaker and not be engaging people. And so we are called, listen ladies and gentlemen, and I shared this morning a little bit with our prayer group. I've had a little woodshed time in conversations with the Lord because we have these ongoing running conversations that just happen. And we need to be engaging this community, folks. We need to be out and connecting with people and sharing the gospel and ministering to them. That means we have to show up at some other time than now. That means we need to be on our knees in prayer. That's the other woodshed I got this week, too. I was telling you, I'm in it, too, folks. If you think that <laughs> that I got it all together and that's what you're coming here, I don't have it all together, but I know the one who does. And I know how difficult the journey can be. When we get on our knees and pray and we engage and, and God brings alive the creativity within this group of people, just this group, I don't care if this is your hundredth time or your very first time, I'm glad you're here. Because this is a creative bunch. This is a bunch who is, um, has a love for Jesus Christ and are looking for the opportunity to express it. We've been doing it in our own lives, but we need to do it as a group. We're called into ministry. You know, that's one of the things that we talk about even in our new member class is that every member is a minister. Because in church, we come to church and we think, well, they're the ministers, the pastor's the minister, the youth guy's the minister. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you and me and we all are the ministers. We're called to do ministry together, folks. 
We have different roles and they just function differently. But we're called to this. We're called to encourage one another. What do we come for on Sundays, according to Hebrews? To encourage each other and to love and good works. To love one another and to go and do the things that God has called us to do. And the good works are those which God has laid out from the foundation of the world for us. And so being a peacemaker, we have to engage people who don't know him. How many of you work with lost people? Three of you. <laughs> we have, how many of you live near lost people? How many of you were ever lost at one time? <laughs> They're all around us. We engage them every day. We engage them at the supermarket. We engage them when we go shopping. We engage them when the, when the waiter or waitress comes by to take our order. We engage them when we are going to pay for our gasoline if we don't pay at the pump. We engage lost people all the time. And the peacemakers get it. The peacemakers get that we have a responsibility to carry the message. If somebody, I mean, here's the thing. This is, if somebody cured cancer and had the cure for it and didn't tell anybody, what would we think of them? We think that's pretty cruddy, right? That's pretty sorry, you could have helped all those people. We have something greater than that. We have the cure for the for the, <laughs> the disease of sin. We didn't come up with it. Jesus came up with it. And we're called to share. So this is our ministry. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're told that. Reconciliation happens between man and God when they accept him as their Lord and Savior, when they accept Jesus Christ. So our message is the gospel. Our message is to carry the gospel. Do y'all know what the gospel is? I know the students know. We, I made them read it. Well, we read it one night. You know, it's found in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4. This is the gospel that Jesus died according to the scriptures, was buried, and rose the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. It's not all this other stuff. You know, when you turn, you know, we want to talk about repentance and making God the Lord of your life. Do you know when you turn to God, that is repentance? Because to turn to Him, you have to turn away from something. I don't get God and get to keep all my sin and all the stuff that I like to do. And enjoy both sides of the fence. And I say enjoy loosely. It doesn't work that way. The gospel is Jesus Christ. And when I turn to him, I'm turning naturally, turning away from that. That's what repentance is. But we want to drive repentance. Listen, let's drive Jesus. Because repentance will happen in the presence of, of Jesus Christ. How could it not?
How many of you, if Jesus walked through that door and walked down here, would feel like there's some things that have got to come out of your life? And boy, wouldn't it be easy to let them go in his presence? And the sad thing is we don't recognize his presence is actually here right now. But that's what spiritual eyes have to do. That's part of the journey of being useful. And so the reason he calls them sons of God. Remember, what was Jesus' purpose here on earth? And you could argue that there were a few. We know that he revealed the Father to us. That's one of them. But what was his purpose? Jesus came to do what? He came to die for us, right? And he was the Son of God. And so the fact that he came to die for our sins, that was his purpose. When we understand and carry the message, we're called sons of God. We're carrying the same purpose that Jesus did. We're giving our life up so that other people can be reconciled to God. That's why he calls them, he says, peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Because Jesus talks about us taking up the work that he started and fulfilling that. Not that it was incomplete, but there were people to come in the decades ahead that he prayed for in John 17, which is the actual Lord's Prayer, for those of you who are curious about that. You know, we talk about the Lord's Prayer and we use the word, Our Father, which art in heaven. That's actually a model prayer. The Lord's Prayer, where he prayed, is in John 17. And so here, we see peacemakers see the big picture and are in tune with the heart of God. So we share the message. But we also suffer the response, because when we do, I'm not going to tell you, like a lot of TV preachers, that when you stand up for God, everything, gets, everything goes perfect in your life, and everybody's nice to you, because that's a lie. The world hates you. The devil hates you. Sometimes even your own family will hate you. I said that once and I had a group of people meet me after service. And I said, where is that in the Bible? And I pulled it open to Matthew. And they're like, why didn't you quote that? I said, because I didn't plan for it. The Holy Spirit did that. I didn't ask them why they didn't know their Bible. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. How many people have disowned family members because they took a because they were saved? They took a stand for Jesus. They walked away. There's a lot of stuff going on out there in families today. People are hurting, folks. People are hurting. Their door looks pretty, but their heart is marred. There's wounds and scars and pain and hurt and mistreatment over things that have nothing to do with them. People are people. It's a miracle that God loves any of us. <laughs> but he does. Thank God for that. 
And so we're told in verse 10 that blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We think persecution is just not being included. Or they made me feel bad, or I didn't get invited to go to lunch with them. I've been persecuted. We need to do some real research, folks. (laughs) And understand what's going on with persecution. People are dying for the gospel out there. And they're, they're going willingly. When I was in school, there was a guy who was a missionary. And they threatened him. They threatened to cut him. They cut him in half. Twice. They cut him in three pieces. He said, go ahead. He said, because out of those three pieces, there will be missionaries spring up. And they did it. They killed him. And seven new missionaries came into that area right after that. He gave his life for the gospel. He didn't. He didn't bow down. I was reading this little story about a uh, about a place where they they mar- this was in North Korea where they marched in and they they were going to kill the people if they didn't renounce Christ. And so they took a picture off the wall that was there of Christ, and they told them to spit on the picture and then they could walk away. And the adults came along and they from the church and spit on the picture and they walked away to their lives one little girl got up and it was her turn and she went and she wiped the spit off the picture and she put her arms around and she said Jesus I love you so much they marched her out back and you heard one gunshot the faith of a child ladies and gentlemen we fear for our own life more than we fear not serving him. Listen, the greatest thing that could happen to us, to, well, hopefully to me, would be that I give up my life. Because I get to go to heaven and be with him. Why do we fear the, the doorway into heaven? What are we afraid of? We want to, well, we want to be here as people we love. Well, what good is that if we don't tell them? What good is that? It's really a self-centered kind of thing. We are a selfish bunch. I'm learning that about myself more and more. It's an ugly truth, but it's the truth. This is not about me. The cross was about me. This is about him. And so persecution will come. We, We have to back up here if we're going to understand what's going on. So where does our righteousness Because he said, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where does our righteousness come from? So what we do? Our righteousness is imputed to us, right? We get the righteousness of God. That's what's acceptable to God, not righteousness that I can muster up. So we get his righteousness because that's what's acceptable. And then when we read here, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. So for the very thing that God put in me, I should be persecuted for that. It's his righteousness. And so watch how this plays out. So those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness are persecuted for being known Christians. Do people know you're a Christian? Or do they have to guess? 
The reason theirs is the kingdom of heaven is because as a Christian, they've chosen to live out their faith and engage the lost with the good news. They understand the kingdom of heaven is going on around them. That's why when you participate in that, yours is the kingdom because that's what you're responding to instead of things of the earth. We respond a lot to the things of the earth. We let it lead us. We store up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt. We hear that, but we're afraid that when we get old, we're not going to survive. Right? God, if God can sustain us when we're young, he can sustain us when we're old. And the truth is, we don't even know if we're ever going to get there. Let me ask you this question. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow morning, would you change anything you're doing this afternoon? Who would you call? How urgent would the conversation be? How many of you would dust off the Bible? You know, it shouldn't be that way. If we're truly followers of Christ, those things shouldn't be true. But sadly, sometimes they are. These guys here did not let persecution change how they live. What about us? Have you ever let fear stop you from sharing? People making fun of you, making comments. Well, that's Mark. He's just, he's, he's, that's Mark. Who cares what they think? I care more about what God thinks. But it's easy to fall into that because they're right in front of you. I get it. But if you're going to see the kingdom of heaven, I, <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to somebody who overheard somebody witnessing to somebody else who was not receptive but they were. And they heard the gospel story and they were seeking out. Sometimes they went and found that person, they found somebody else. But so-and-so was sharing with somebody and I heard it and it just, it, it pricked my heart, it touched my heart. And I moved and I responded to that. You don't know who's listening. You might be witnessing to somebody that you don't even know about. What, how cool is that? That's the way it's supposed to be. And so we stand for the Lord, finally. Verses 11 and 12. See, when you take a stand for the Lord, you're blessed because you see the truth and are unwilling to compromise it for your own ease of life. When you fall in love with somebody, everything else goes away. Listen, they're going to insult and persecute you falsely. They're going to say things that aren't true. Boy, don't we live in an environment of that today. False accusations flying everywhere. And I do not care what side of the street you're on. Politically. There is so much garbage flying around that's being sold as truth. Listen, there is one truth. <laughs> and that's God's truth. And we got to learn how to sort it out and discern the difference. 
And, you know, we all, everybody, nobody in here likes to be lied about, do they? Well, that was the thing in school we hated. Don't be telling lies about me. Don't be making stuff. I do enough stupid stuff. You don't have to make anything up. You know, we'll take our licks when we deserve them. But here, we're taking licks on his behalf. We're suffering on the behalf of Christ. Have you ever thought of it that way? You just think of you suffering, don't you? I do too. But just standing here, just realizing this, that when I suffer for him, I'm getting to suffer for him. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm doing it on his behalf. It's tough when it's not true, but listen, here's what it looks like. They'll say all kind of evil against you because of Jesus. They don't even know you. But they know him and dislike you because of your association with him. I've had people do that. I've had people go, oh, he's a pastor, so he's like this, 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 this. this. They don't even know me. They don't even know me. That's why I don't tell people that. But I will tell them about Jesus. Because if they had a great relationship with a pastor, they'll give me that credit, which is unfair. And if they had a bad one, they'll give me that credit too, which is also unfair. <laughs> or they'll think I have to tell them because that's my job. Let me tell you something. If this job ever gets in the way of sharing the gospel, I'll quit this job. Because God has put us here. I don't share Christ with people because of this. I share Christ with people because of what he did here. The rest of this flows from that. Everything I do flows from that. And that's why you share too. That's why you love people because of what he did in you. Because it was real. It was genuine. You met the Lord and he changed your life. And you know the difference between here and there. And you want them to have it too. I'll tell you, don't wait. There's people that I know you're thinking about. Don't wait. You do not have a promise of tomorrow. I have lost too many people that I've known that have died too soon. I had a friend whose son passed away from brain cancer this past week. Young man, not even... Somebody asked me how old he was. Is he between 9 and 13? You do not know. And so let's not waste our time chasing after the things of this world. <laughs> Listen. He tells us to rejoice and be glad. What? When people are telling lies about me and they're spreading all this stuff about me because I said I'm a Christian and I'm going, Woo! I'm rejoicing. I'm glad. People think I'm insane. That sounds hard. Well, it isn't because when you're in this place that he's talking about here, 
in your walk, wanting to see, wanting people to see Jesus in you, and you'll rejoice when they do. Because if they're persecuting you, that means they saw Christ. We want the world to see Jesus in us, and when they react like the world, we get sad. That makes no sense. Lost people are going to act lost. When they act that way, no, target. That's my target. We have allowed them to back us into a corner instead of being as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And they have shut us down instead of us standing for the Lord. And it's time to take these cloaks off. It's time to take off these things that are preventing them from knowing. Let them know. If you come around here, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Because guess what? The ones that God is working in are going to come around. Now, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. Can Christian people be obnoxious? Yes. They can be. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be rude to people. But don't not tell them because you're afraid you're going to offend them. Don't shy away from that. Listen, he talks about this in the end. He says, when you join, or you join the company of the prophets, when you prioritize what Jesus wants over your own ease of living. Standing for him is as easy as breathing. It's not something we work up to. When you go through this process, it's as easy as breathing. Because if that's where your life comes from, which God's word says it is, he is our life. What are we seeking that doesn't include him? That's ridiculous, isn't it? Do you really think about what it says? We don't really think about what God's word says. We go, we go on emotion all the time. Well, that's, oh, that service was wonderful. I just really felt it. Let me tell you something. If the, if the word of God is being preached, that's an awesome service. Because I'll tell you what, that's a rare service today, folks. There's a lot of stuff out there being preached and taught that ain't in the book. Or that makes us feel comfortable. Or makes us feel good about ourselves. You know what makes me feel good about myself? Jesus loves me so much and he gave, gave his life for me. That's the value God puts on me. That's enough. Amen. What more do I need? Well, you don't understand. My parents punished me when I was a child. Amen. Right. <laughs> and you see what a mess. <laughs> You know, punishment has changed, hasn't it, over the years? There's things in the book about how to punish a child. You know what? I think children like to be spanked. Right, children? <laughs> We have one brave child in the room. <laughs> you know why? 
because they know the boundary holds. And when they're told that they're a sinner and that they need to be saved and the boundary holds, they know they're going to need Christ. And if we don't teach them, the world is telling them, you're okay, you can be whatever you want. You can go live this lifestyle, you can change your gender, you can do whatever you want. That's a rejection of what God created them to be. And I'm going to tell you, that ain't in the book, folks. You're not a man born as a woman or a woman born as a man. You are what you are. That's the way God created you. The enemy has been lying to us from day one about who we are. And now what we're doing is we're <laughs> complacent in it and allowing people to believe that there's something they're not. And we're telling them it's okay. And then we're haters if we tell them the truth. Yeah. That's what's going on. And as long as we sit aside and are afraid of being persecuted and attacked, nothing is ever going to change. So as long as I sit on my hands and you sit on your hands, they're never going to hear it. And I know y'all are getting uncomfortable and I love it. Because if you're comfortable and being complacent, I hope you're uncomfortable. Jesus died and gave his own life and we're afraid to be uncomfortable? That's ridiculous. But they'll make, they're going to say I'm a hater, that I'm not about love. But is it, it God is love and he loves all of us the way he made us. You're right, he does the way he made you. He does love you. But Eve was told, was lied to, that she wasn't like God and that she could do something to become like him. If you, the day you eat of it, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil when they were already like God. He lied to her about who she was. She sucked it in and changed her behavior to fall in line with what the enemy told her. And we've done the same thing. Except he's lying to us through the world. And we're accepting it instead of what his word actually says. And so we can continue on. And, well, I mean, we're called to be salt and light. And so, so, salt, by definition, is what it is. It can't decide to be salty or not salty. Well, I'm not going to be salty today. Do you put any salt in this? And then today can be really something. Oh, what was that? It <coughs> doesn't work like that. It's the way it's made. Isn't that interesting? He picked something that changes things around because of the way it's made. And that's what we are. And so, folks, we went from dying to ourselves to making a difference, to being used by God. And, you know, I know this stuff isn't popular, but I don't care. I'd rather be right with God and unpopular than wrong with God and popular. You know, I can pull all these slick things out and we can do all these oohs and ahs. And you know what? I think church has become, we want to dazzle people with technology instead of with a genuine relationship with Christ anymore. Now, technology is not wrong. But if you're placing it 
the relationship with projection and light shows and the cutest little things that come along, you're missing the boat. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God ought to guide everything we do and say. And it ought to guide our mission into this community. Instead of sitting on our hands with our, with our ankles tied together, we ought to get out there. We ought to, we ought to pray before God that he would put into us ways to engage them. I'm ready. But you've got to show up. We have things to work on here, but we're going to do both. I used to think we had to get that ready first. That's Hebrew for no. Sorry, Marcia. No. We got to go. And we got to get ready. Both at the same time. Both at the same time. Listen, it's time for us to make an impact. Do you guys know somebody who needs the Lord? What's keeping you from telling them the gospel story? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of you're going to lose your friend? Here's the thing. I want you to know the truth. If you don't tell them, you're going to eventually lose your friend. Forever. You've already lost them. You just haven't realized that. They're already lost. And so we need to tell them they're lost already. They're not our friend. Darkness and light have no fellowship together. And so if we don't get out there and tell them, we're going to lose them for good. And that's not acceptable. The only thing that should ever stop us from sharing the gospel is the Holy Spirit. There's been times I've been sharing and I've felt the Holy Spirit say, that's far enough. I was a planter or a waterer. I was not there to reap. Just like Paul was prevented by the Holy Spirit, we need to pay attention. The only thing that should ever stop us is the Holy Spirit. Listen to him and don't let anything else stop you. So if we're going to make an impact, do we know someone who needs the Lord? Two, have you ever wondered why we take persecution so personally <laughs> or avoid it at all costs? Have you ever wondered that? Well, if not, I'm going to propose that question. And if so, I'm going to propose the answer. We have this incredible desire for acceptance. And we have a tendency to place that above everything else. Because our identity, we find our identity in being accepted and loved by lots of people. Because, let me ask you this. Then. If you're skeptical of this answer, what is preventing you from telling them? They're going to be upset with me. They're not going to like me. They're going to be, I'm going to lose my friend. Does that sound familiar? So the answer is true to me. The other part of it, or 
we're trying to live life out of our own effort and don't want our faith to rock the boat. Well, I'm trying to manage all these things. I'm trying to manage this godly life. And I can barely do it. I'm exhausted. Anybody here ever been exhausted serving the Lord? I have been. And what do we want to do when we're exhausted? Quit, right? Good, I want you to quit this morning. Because when you stop trying, God can start moving. I hope you quit. I told God I quit once. And that was so relieving. <laughs> I was going through hell serving him. I was exhausted. I was tired of crying. And I said, is this what this is about? And I quit. And when I quit, God said, good. And I said, I'm glad you had me, because I am too now. He goes, no, now you can see what I can do when you get out of the way. And what I tried to do for three years, he did in two weeks. Two weeks, folks. We need to be on our knees, seeking after him, laying this stuff down, telling people, making organizations, volunteering, going out. I'll make flyers. I'll take them out. I'll go talk to people. I'll knock on doors. I'll, let's organize stuff for kids in the community and build our children's ministry. Let's, do, let's get out there and do something. Let's shoot a firework every Friday, Saturday night at 10 o'clock to remind them, do they know where their kids are? And if they don't, that's not good. But if they do, they can bring them on Sunday morning. I mean, I don't know. One guy one time recommended that we hire an airplane and put one of those little things behind it and fly over the firework festival. And I said, that's a great idea. Nobody's ever done it. Just tell them to fly high. You like Baptist church plane gets shot down with fireworks. But nobody's done that. That's creative. Listen, I'm not a, I would rather, I'd rather have a soccer team that's all shooting on goal, knowing some of the balls are going to miss, but some of them are going to go in. And everybody's so afraid to try anything. Let's go. Time to wake up. You ever make that sound when you wake up? If you don't think so, ask your spouse or your children. That's what it sounds like. Just live for him and let what comes come, folk. Let it come. Let's make the news. Because we take a stand for Jesus Christ. Three. What sets us apart from the prophets? You know, we think about these prophets like, like Elijah and Elisha. Jeremiah. You know, man, they're speaking for God to this godless nation. Nehemiah going back and speaking for God as they rebuild the walls. You know, that was the second attempt by a prophet to rebuild the walls. It wasn't the first one. The first one failed. You all remember the first one? Starts with an E and ends with a Jerva. <laughs> I believe that. Ezra was the first one. 
to go back and try and rebuild the walls, and he failed. Or did he? Or did he? What sets us apart from them? Nothing. 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 Nothing sets you apart from them except if you don't engage in what God has called you to. That alone will set you apart because they didn't do that. Nothing. There's nothing special about them except their willingness to stand for God. God worked through them in the same way He wants to work through you. Live for Him outspoken respectfully. That's our calling, folks. You know, there was, there was actually, just I was reading this the other day about there's a sixth grader who was given the assignment of writing what Christmas means to them. So they said, write what Christmas means to you, and they had to go write a poem about Christmas. And this little boy, he wrote this. The best Christmas ever is when everyone is there. It is when everyone is laughing here and there. That is the Christmas I want to share. Christmas is about Jesus' birth. About peace on earth. This is what Christmas is about. It is when he lay in a manger and the three wise men come to see. That is what it means to me. He hands this paper in. He's 11 years old. And his teacher went through and circled the name Jesus on the rough draft and ducked at a point, saying that he and another child did a poem about Christ but not about Christmas. And he was asked, this is what the teacher said, they would ask the two of them to do another poem of their choice. The parents went and complained and the grade was reinstated. This happened down at Hattiesburg Public School District. It's a true story. But that's the world we live in, folks. Here's an 11-year-old that can stand for Christ, and we're worried about what people are going to think. I just I want to stand with him. That's my encouragement. Do you have the bravery of an 11-year-old this morning? Do we have anybody here who's 11? No? In physical years. <laughs> Let's have the bravery of this student. Let's not shy away. Let's not put our concerns above God's. That's the joy of walking with Jesus. He changes you from the inside out. These things you shouldn't have to work up. And either we're not letting him, or we've allowed the cares of the world to come in and choke out the message. But either way, we're missing out. I don't want to miss out anymore. Let me tell you something. I'm going to go on. Do you remember the parable of the talents? This is my woodshed conversation, one of them. It's been a lot this week. Remember the parable of the talents? How he gave one ten, one five, and one one. The one ten went and used them and got ten more. One five went and used them and got 
five more. The one took the one hit, came back, the guy came back, took it, said, you're wicked, and he took it away. If we're ever going to grow, if we're ever going to do what God calls you, we've got to use the talents that God's placed here. Because I do not want to be that wicked servant. And so you have a calling. There's an opportunity for you here. Because I don't want our talent taken away. I'm in. I hope you're in too. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.